0: You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Chapter 10, covering verses 1 to
1: 18. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gate can hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech but they did not understand what Truly I tell you I am the gate for the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep didn't listen to them I am the gate if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. The sheep but I have other sheep and they are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Um, But I'm not the good shepherd. I'm not Jesus, I'm not infallible. I'm actually quite weak. And um, this week I've uh, spent the week suffering. Um, Not with COVID-19, but with man flu, Zero. Man flu zero because I believe that man flu was one of like God's curses on humanity right back in the beginning. So um, if you don't believe me, you've just never had it before. It's, um, it's horrible. And, uh, and I've uh, not, so I'm not, I'm not well prepared this morning, not as well as I'd like to be. And I've had just enough pseudoephedrine to make me I want you to just, just sometime in the next half hour, just pray for me that I'll be a good shepherd, all right? Because this is, um, this is important stuff that we're looking at. So uh, I'm just going to read a little bit and talk a little bit and read a little bit more. And so if you have a Bible in front of you, um, I want you to read with me. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in at verse seven, okay? Verse seven to 10. Uh, Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate.
2: If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will come in, go out. thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have
0: come. So that they may have life, have it in abundance. I'm not going to focus very much on Jesus' self designation as the gate. It is very important. It's one of the seven I am statements in John's Gospel. We've talked about just how important those statements are and how, uh, in saying them, Jesus is equating himself with the I am, uh, the great I am, Yahweh, the uncreated creator. He is um, making quite a statement when he says these things. It's about more than just a metaphor for being bread or light or gate or sheep or so on. I'm not going to focus on the gate because uh, on Easter Sunday we're going to look at John 14 where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's essentially an, uh, a, a restatement of the gate thing. All right, He's the way. He's the way to the Father. He's the way to safe pasture. He's the way to salvation. And uh, so we'll come back to that on Easter Sunday. But I just want to pick up. Came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. It's worth just saying there's a couple of ways that we can take this or understand what he means here. It could mean that uh, he's referencing the false messiahs that have come before him. Um, Israel, Desperately desperately looking for the great Messiah, the anointed king who would come and lead them into uh, the new, um, uh, essentially what is a a new kingdom of God's reign on the earth. That's what they're looking for. They're particularly desperate for it because they're right now under the thumb of the Romans. And so you have the succession of uh, Messiah-like figures who crop up around this time, and particularly... Um, these are zealots. They're, um, they're warriors. Um, this is who the people had come to expect the Messiah would be. He would be a warrior. He would lead them into battle. He would, he would secure victory and liberation from the Romans. And you, you get this in Acts chapter 5 when the, the people are trying to figure out what to do with the new Christian movement. Uh, and, the, and the Jews particularly are worried about this movement getting some traction the romans as well are a little bit uh, perturbed by a group of people who are saying jesus is lord when they're making a bit of a ruckus and uh and just to kind of calm things down um one of the those leaders says this some time ago theodos rose up claiming to be somebody claiming to be a messiah like figure And a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following, he also perished, and all his followers were scattered. He's saying, look, this Christian thing, it's probably just another one of these. Jesus is another, like, upstart. His followers are going to do this for a little bit and then they're going to eventually peter out. And that's what anyone who had any brains would have thought about the first Christian movement. It's not going to go anywhere. Jesus is dead. Um, These are uneducated, you know, disciples. Nothing's going to come of this. Jesus might be referring to those messiahs who have gone before him that have come to nothing I think probably more likely, though, he's drawing on, as he often does, as actually, as he constantly does, drawing on old covenant themes, and so the the prophets, the major prophets, prophets like Isaiah and, and Ezekiel, through the old covenant, um, are denouncing the leaders of Israel, the priests, the 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 um, the shepherds of Israel, as being false as being self-gratifying, as as leading the people of Israel astray. And I think this is what Jesus is picking up on. Particularly if you look at Ezekiel chapter 34, you have this God telling Ezekiel to to prophesy against the leaders of Israel, against these, these spiritual men who are meant to be nourishing the people of Israel. He says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have, begun, who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? He goes on. You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. This is... The history of israel at this time and just so we're clear about this he's not talking about literal sheep right god's people are his sheep and he has placed these shepherds over them to care for them to tend to them to heal them to feed them to protect them and instead the shepherds are killing the sheep eating their fat wearing their wool they're feeding themselves and starving their flocks. I'd love to say that this was just a little thing that happened way back in the day, but I think if you look around, it's not that hard to see that this kind of thing still happens. Any pastor, that's a, that's a metaphor, right? Pastor, pastoral, shepherd. Any shepherd, priest, or minister who uses his or her position in order to gratify themselves is just as powerfully denounced by Ezekiel as the people of that day. Anyone who does this kind of ministry for their own sake, either because it Pays really well. I don't, by the way, I don't know who those guys are, but apparently they, they exist. Pastors receiving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary each year, kickbacks and benefits. Or pastors who use their position to take advantage of usually women and children. Pastors who feather their own nests who feast on the fat while slaughtering the sheep. I think God
2: makes pretty clear here what he thinks of them. Woe to them. Woe to them. Jesus says it would be better for them to have a millstone,
0: a great big slab of rock hung around their necks
2: and be thrown into the depths of the sea. It's scandalous. And then, in distinction to those bad
0: shepherds, those, those thieves, those robbers, those, those slaughterers of the sheep, Ezekiel has this vision of a shepherd who would be everything that they're not. Who would be everything that, that God intended his shepherds to be. He would be a good shepherd. So later in that same chapter, in verse 12, he has this vision. He says, God's speaking through him. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I, the Lord, Yahweh, I am. I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. And he goes on, verse 14 to 15. He says, I will tend them in good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord. And then he says in verse 31, you are my flock, the human flock
2: of my pasture. I'm your God. This is the declaration of the Lord. This was Ezekiel's great hope and he never saw it. This is his
0: great dream. This is what he put before the people of Israel along with other prophets. Yes, our current shepherds are destroying us, but God himself, one day God himself will be our shepherd. And Jesus comes along in John chapter 10 and he stares down the false shepherds of his own age. He stares down the religious leaders of the time who are leading his people astray, and with the force of this I am, he says, verse 11, I am
2: the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Finally, after so
0: many years of yearning for this one leader who will actually Tend to us as a God would tend to us. Would protect us and provide for us. After all that time of waiting, Jesus
2: arrives and says, I am. I am. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the kind of shepherd I am.
0: You might wonder, why would a shepherd need to lay down his life for the sheep? And this is where we get to see a little bit of ourselves in this passage, because the fact is that sheep are like perfectly designed to be eaten. That's what sheep are for. All right? I, I understand that they're cute and cuddly, but ultimately, they are designed to be eaten. This is what I mean. Sheep are designed to take a uh, a a plentiful crop and to turn it into food. Right? There, there are there like most consumed by human beings. You can try, but it's not going to give you anything apart from a sore tummy. But if you get an animal to eat that stuff, it then turns it into meat which is delicious and nutritious Uh, and it's so good in fact that you can quite happily survive on meat and nothing else because in that um, magical transformation where a sheep or an animal takes that inedible food and turns it into meat, it provides, if it's the right kind of meat, it provides everything you need, vitamins, minerals, and, 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 and just deliciousness. And this is God's gift to us. But it means that sheep are in high demand from just about everything. Anything that can eat a sheep will eat a sheep. And particularly in the first century, you've got sheep wandering around amongst wolves and bears and lions and eagles, and wild dogs, and thieves, and robbers, and they are on the menu for just about anything. Sheep also happen to be incredibly stupid. I mean, this, it's, it's proof that they really are, that the only reason they exist is to be delicious, and, and they are. So this is why you need shepherds if we were herding lions, you wouldn't need a shepherd, all right? You just, you just keep them in that paddock and put really high fences up around them. But that's not, that's not the case, right? These are sheep. They have no defenses. It's extraordinary if you think about it. Just about everything in the animal kingdom has some kind of defense. They have nothing. Like, no claws, no sharp teeth, no armor. Like, instead of armor, they have this soft Warm pelt. You just want to cuddle up again. Like
2: it's just, it's ridiculous. It's funny. That's who we are. (laughs) Quite stupid, cuddly,
0: delicious animals. That's why we need a shepherd.
2: We need a shepherd because we're vulnerable. We need a shepherd because we're prone to wander.
0: We need a good shepherd because, under the leadership of a
2: bad shepherd, we'll probably just end up on the men. I've always thought it's funny that it's called shepherd's pie because, well, it's just evidence that sheep in the hands of some shepherds end up. In a pot. Jesus says, I will
0: die before I let someone steal, kill, or destroy you. Verse 10, remember he says, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I will die before I let that happen. What makes Jesus different? What makes him good? Let's read verse 12. He says, the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is just telling us something we all know to be true. If something belongs to us, we care for it better than if it doesn't. Obvious, right? If something belongs to you, then you tend to take better care of it. This is why higher, like, higher cars are always smashed. This terrible blight on society, which is the e-bike, which suddenly has cropped up everywhere in Caroline Springs, the e-bikes that without fail will end up at the bottom of that lake or the bottom of
2: that creek within weeks. Why? I don't know, because it's not yours, who cares? Who cares? Jesus says,
0: because the sheep belong to him, that's why he'll lay down his life for them.
2: We are his. That's all he needs. These
0: sheep, these sheep here in this place, the sheep up here
2: speaking to you, these sheep belong to him. You'll know a hired hand when he runs at the first sign of danger. I was about to say something about my colleagues then that could get me in trouble. See, this is why it's good. I appreciate you praying for me because I. every shepherd that's not the good shepherd is going to fail you at some point. But
0: Jesus says, I will die before I let anyone steal,
2: kill, or destroy you. God is a terrible economist,
0: you know. If God was the treasurer of our country, we'd be in all kinds of trouble because he doesn't know how to do cost-benefit analysis. This is like key to our economics, right? You've got to figure out in anything, I mean, even in your own
2: family economics, you've got to do cost-benefit analysis all the time. Is spending this amount of money worthwhile?
0: Is it good value for money? And if not, then we won't do it. God doesn't think that way. He's a terrible economist, like he
2: sees a bunch of sheep and says so that they would be secure. Terrible economics. His one and only son
0: lays down his life for us, us.
2: Morons, sheep. It's astonishing. Remember, Jesus says, He picks up on this in Luke, um,
0: Luke chapter fifteen. Uh, he says, um, What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep.
2: And he says, and I love it whenever he says this, I tell you, tell you.
0: In the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who
2: repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. That's the kind of God we worship. That's what makes Jesus the good shepherd.
0: As we come up to Easter, you know, we come up to this holy week, this passion week where we focus in on Jesus laying down his life for the sheep. I really I want to encourage you to be, to be present as much as you can during that holy week, to soak in that astonishing reality. It doesn't make any sense that God himself would condescend to us right would would that's a shameful thing this is what, ma- what what makes christianity so such an outrage to muslims and others the idea that god would become a person a filthy
2: sheep himself and st- and then horror
0: of horrors, that he himself would allow himself to be debased, assaulted, violently put to death in the most excruciating and humiliating way possible. This is is what we celebrate at Easter.
2: A God who's a terrible economist. God who takes his only begotten son, sacrifices him for the sake of sheep. I don't know if you picked up on a problem with this
0: teaching that Jesus gives. It's just a logical problem. If you really step into the metaphor, there's a problem because, I mean, let's just play it out, right? Where are all the sheep? This is a little sheepfold here. We've entered into the gate uh, where, you know, we're where, where, where in the sheepfold, which is normally like a little concrete area attached to a house in the first century, um, in, in Israel, it's got a little gate and it, everything's
2: fine so long as the shepherd is there. Comes along.
0: When the New Testament talks about a robber, it's not just someone who steals something, but it's someone who's violent. So rob, a pack of robbers come along and the shepherd lays down his life, protecting us. A pack of wolves comes along and the shepherd lays down his life, gets torn to pieces for our sake. Now what happens?
2: Yeah, we're still sheep. Delicious, defenseless sheep. I just imagine myself as a sheep with just the best legs. Legs. Mm.
0: I ate a leg of lamb on Monday, uh, Tuesday night, an entire leg just to myself.
2: So good. You know, like I would punctured it with garlic and rosemary and it just roasted it Chewed the bones until there was nothing left. So he lays down his life, and then we're screwed. We are sheep, delicious, defenseless sheep. C.S. Lewis picks up on this in the Chronicles of
0: Narnia, in The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. You know the story? He called it a supposal. He said, what if there is another world, and it's a world in which there are talking animals? What would the gospel look like in that world? And he said that, you know, Jesus would be a lion lion named Aslan. I think that's some kind of Indian dialect for lion. Aslan is the lion, he is the son of the king from over the sea and in the story of the lion which in the wardrobe there is this witch who has taken over the land of Narnia and she has by her arts plunged it into a hundred year winter and it's always winter and never Christmas. And the people are suffering under this witch. And then some kids from our world make their way into the land of Narnia. And in that situation, one of the the boys, Edmund, who is a terrible person, he uh, betrays
2: his brother and sisters. He betrays them. Betrays them to the witch. And there's between Aslan, who has arrived to save The snow is starting
0: to melt, spring is coming, Father Christmas appears, right, Aslan is here. But the problem is that the witch has a claim on Edmund because he's a traitor. And as a traitor, she has a claim on him. He, according to the deep magic, everyone who is a traitor belongs to the witch. And so Aslan speaks to her and says that also according to the deep magic, if is a person who has not betrayed anybody who puts himself in the place of the traitor then the deep magic is satisfied and the traitor can go free sound familiar and so you have Aslan not on a cross but on a stone table and he's been pinned down and tied up and all of the hags and witches and giants and ter- all the terrible creatures are uh, like uh, gloating over him and they've shaved all his hair off and they have tied him to the stone table, and the witch now has a knife poised above the once magnificent lion. He has been debased, humiliated, weak, nothing. And this is what she says to him, which gets at the problem that we have looked at. She says, and now who has won? Fool, did you think that by all this you would save the human traitor? Now I will kill you instead of him as our pact was, and so the deep magic will be appeased. But when you are dead, what will prevent me from killing him as well? Understand that you have given me Narnia forever. You have lost your own life
2: and you have not saved his. In that knowledge, despair and die. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read it by now, honestly, I, I, can't, I can't help you. Spoiler is that there is a deeper magic than the witch knows. A, a spotless person,
0: a person who has done no wrong, stands in for the traitor, then According to the deeper magic, he will, in effect, rise again. So Aslan does, rises from the dead and defeats the witch and restores peace, his land of Narnia. So if the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and stays dead, then we're in a hole of trouble. But if, verse 16 to 18, I'll finish here, he says... Uh, let's just jump ahead to 17. This is why I'm, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. and I have the right to take it up again.
2: I have received this command from my Father. Hmm. It's the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep only to take
0: it up again so that he can be the undefeated, unrivaled, sovereign shepherd. It means that all of his
2: promises that he makes as our shepherd will come to pass. That's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate on Thursday night. That's what we celebrate...
0: On Friday morning, that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday as well. Just to finish now, let me um, wrap this up just by going back to the Old Covenant. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and we'll make this our, um, our prayer. It's written as a prayer, as a poem, as a song, and it's one we all know well.
2: It's a Psalm of David. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort.
0: You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will
2: follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to take some time now just to reflect on what we've heard about who Jesus is, good he is, how unrivaled he is as our shepherd. We're going to reflect on that as we just hear some music,
0: some, a song being sung to us. And we're going to come before
2: God, intercession. That we'll stand and sing together. We'll finish by sharing the Lord's Supper. Please just sit tight now and take the time to reflect on what.